0: Welcome to It's a Small Business World podcast, where you'll get the buzz about small businesses all over the world.
1: We're your hosts, KC and Jaime. We're both passionate advocates for small businesses, digital tech, and international trade.
0: I'm KC Gundiam, and I'm the founder of B2B Match.
1: And I am Jaime Volta, a tech contributor to B2B Match.
0: The Small Business World is produced by b2bmatch.com, the international business matchmaking platform for and by small and medium businesses. How about you check us out today?
1: Hi, Casey, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How are you? Hi, May.
1: Good, good. So uh, today we have uh, the founder and CEO of the Canadian Women's Chamber of Commerce, an organization that advocates for women identified and non-binary business owners. She has over a decade of experience helping businesses with accounting and finance, and since 2015 she has been specialized into women business owners and entrepreneurs. Nancy Wilson, welcome to this Small Business World, Nancy.
2: Thanks so much for, for
0: inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. Nancy, I'm so happy to have you. And um, I was telling Jaime that uh, you and I, we met just before the pandemic. Um, and, uh, it's been one of those really great, uh, connections and we're still uh, in business, the both of us. So great for you. So we're just Mm -hmm. gonna, you know, I, I, you know, obviously, um, I know a little bit about you, which is great, but I always have a lot, you know, I'm very curious. Um, but also uh, what I love about what you do is the role that you have not only in Canada, but also, um, in the business of, of women entrepreneurship. So, <laughs> so uh, we, you know, when we were preparing for this, Jaime had a question, and uh, I was like, "That's a really good question." And uh, he, he, you know, I, you can ask Jaime. Yeah, like, like
1: basically, is, is, <laughs> is, you know, like, okay, I think founding a, a chamber of commerce is not like normal, right? Like, no, <laughs> not a lot of people funds like chamber of commerces, right? Like, right. so the main, the, the main thing is like, okay, what, what really prompted you to do that, right? Like, what, what do you th- make you. Th- Think like yeah, I need to to found a, a chamber of commerce.
2: Right. So, so there's a couple different answers. the The easiest answer or the main answer is that uh, I was working as an accountant um, mm-hmm. with women business owners mainly. Mm-hmm. I was seeing all of these challenges that both myself as a business owner and my clients as business mm-hmm. owners were facing. And it was just piling on. And I was thinking, you know, it is really, really challenging as a woman running a business. Uh And then someone in my network uh, mentioned to me that Canada didn't have a Women's Chamber of Commerce. And I knew they existed in the States and in other countries. And I just, Uh it all sort of seemed to come together. And I I realized, you know, there's no way that we are going to... um, jump these barriers or, um, you know, move the dial, so to speak, unless mm-hmm. Canada has a, an advocacy agent, like a, a recognized voice for policy advocacy in Canada um, to, to speak to these issues, right? So mm-hmm. I went home that very day and just Googled how to start a chamber of commerce in Canada and and did it, you know? So, so that is the answer in terms of why I did it also though uh, when I say recognized voice I mean there are lots of other organizations that do advocacy that Mm -hmm. um, work to advocate on behalf of women um, entrepreneurs and and women for for other reasons but the but Chamber of Commerce the Chamber of Commerce is a recognized brand that Mm -hmm. the government automatically Uh, says, Yeah, okay, they, they are advocacy, they advocate. And that's why I specifically started a Chamber of Commerce instead of another women's organization or a women's nonprofit, because Mm -hmm. I knew that I could bank on that brand name to get automatic credibility and legitimacy and open doors when we're talking to government. And that's exactly what happened. Because within six months of launching, with very few members at that point, yeah. um, we were getting invitations to uh, to come to Ottawa to speak to uh, to different ministries and um, you know to speak to folks in the in the Prime Minister's office. So that that's why um, that's why I went with the Chamber of Commerce.
0: That's really, really interesting what you say. So basically, um, the landscape in Canada is very favorable. And I know I'm, I'm here. Um, I want to know more a little bit like deep, deep down, what is it that you feel the top three priorities are for you? As a Chamber of Commerce, as an advocate for women, and as somebody who has an ecosystem with stakeholders like the you know, the government and other businesses, I really want to know like what are your top three priorities for the year
2: so we have grant funded projects um, so those are obviously uh, priorities and and what and the project that we 're working on right now um, has to do with a collective advocacy uh, goal so we are putting together an alliance of organizations across the country cross sectors um, to to perform um, advocacy on mass to try to uh, advance um, policy specifically with respect to self-employed Canadians so we're not even we're moving it beyond gender, um, and and we're looking at self-employed Canadians um, a, across the um, spectrum, uh, and that's really because of the uh, the lack of policies and and support that we saw during the pandemic for self-employed Canadians. So that's a priority, but that is you know a singular project. As a chamber of commerce, our fundamental reason for being, our fundamental um, uh, activity, is always going to be advocacy. So we try to build that advocacy into all of the activities. So, um, so we're always looking at advocacy, um, both in our projects as well as our day to day activity. So we're building membership, we're expanding, um, but we're we're also expanding the organization and a priority there is really building the organizational um, policies, processes um, in a way that brings in the voices of our members. And Mm. as a young chamber of commerce, the benefit to that is we can build those policies and processes uh, in a way that uh, really builds on, Diversity and inclusion, and um, you know, anti-oppression, anti-racism mm-hmm. um, principles that will allow us to really represent the voices of women-identified entrepreneurs across the country, and do that in a way where it's baked in from day one, as opposed to kind of tacking on those ideas um, in the way that we would have to with. Uh, an organization that was founded a hundred years ago, right? Um, so, so that's another priority uh, for us. And the third one is really, you know, what do, what are our members most um, challenged by? And it really comes down to economic equity and access to capital. That mm-hmm. is that's number one. Any any other issue that we talk about ultimately boils down to that.
0: I was gonna ask you. I was gonna say, what are some of the challenges that you see yeah. not only in the women entrepreneurship community, but in the larger one in Canada specifically? The good thing I need to say that you, Canada VCC, is a partner of B two B Match. So I'm really, really happy. You were one of the the first one that joined, um, and I see a lot of alignment with what
2: we do. So yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, we're so happy to be a, a partner with B two B Match. It's a great. Um, You know, there's great alignment between the two organizations and for our members, um, there's great opportunity there.
0: Yes. And we've seen uh, quite a few join recently. So I'm very happy about that. Yes. Uh, So, yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Like um, what kind of so you talk about those two challenges. Is this true across the board for women businesses as well as any self-employed
2: Canadian? Yes, so um, so economic equity and opportunity in the marketplace is uh, is a significant challenge for um, for any quote unquote diverse or marginalized um, um, group of entrepreneurs, and and you know p- part of that is our are the definitions that we use um, and that relates to policy. So we often say entrepreneurs and um, you know, since budget 2018 there has been uh, government has been um, investing in the women's entrepreneurship strategy and um, investing quite a bit of money in that. The problem is what constitutes an entrepreneur, you know, mm-hmm. and, the government uh, often defines that as a smaller, medium-sized enterprise, meaning um, an employer, some a business that has employees.
1: Yeah, but as, as you said, you are also trying to include as well self-employed people, right? Because they're, exactly,
2: there. Hmm. So there, if you look at women-identified um, business owners, you have close to a million that are self-employed, meaning no employees, just mm-hmm. themselves. Um, and then you have about a quarter of that, you know, let's say and 230,000 that are SMEs. So when they're building policy and programs, they're looking at one model, which is employers, but they're mm-hmm. talking about it as if it's the whole spectrum. And that became a real problem that, during the pandemic because those financial supports the eligibility mm-hmm. of them yep. uh, were for employers not for self-employed and that mm-hmm. cut off a big segment of the business community and they were left um, with individual financial supports mm-hmm. but those individual financial supports meant, were meant to keep food on the table and a roof over their heads not to be extended to help a business owner continue their business.
1: And for example, what what are the examples of, of you know those self employed people? Just to try to be a little bit more concrete, that you think you know right. you have contact uh, commonly on the on the chamber.
2: So so imagine um, someone who um, who okay, the, oftentimes in a hair salon. Um, uh-huh. the, a, a hair stylist will actually rent a chair in the hair salon. Uh-huh. So they are self-employed. They don't, um, own, um, the, the brick and mortar hair salon themselves. They pay rent to have that space and have their clients come in. So, um, during the pandemic, that hairstylist wouldn't be able to see, um, her uh-huh. clients, um they would not they have no employees so they would only be eligible for CERB right the Mm -hmm. the 2000 I think it was so that's an individual support that's paying for food and and uh roof over her head but she's not um so lack of
0: income so basically those individual and, and I and I understand that because being in Canada I totally got that I you know um And I kept banging my head against the wall going, the policies are, every single time the government came out with a policy, it was to support the bigger SMEs, but not the smaller one. And, you know, and I was always, I remember I became very active on Twitter criticizing that position because I felt like there was a misunderstanding and an entire misunderstanding of what the... The business community really was because if you look at business community it's not made by multinationals it's actually the smallest yes, and, and the smallest as,
1: as are the the most vulnerable right
0: exactly and especially
1: if we are talking about you know also marginalized people or, or people in, in not the best situation to start with
0: Absolutely. if they are also
1: small companies like the, the smaller a company it is normally the the worst.
0: Uh, the most situation vulnerable. yeah or, or, yeah, or
1: the' most fragile
0: yeah. and this what you say Nancy for me I go back to uh, the diversifying the supply chain and mm-hmm. I think with the smaller companies and the what we saw during the pandemic, an organization like yours, Canada BCC is really here to also advocate for the survival the sustainability of SMEs but the smaller SMEs in light of the supply chain struggles we've seen um, with the pandemic, right?
2: Absolutely. And, and those smaller SMEs have, have challenges of their own. I mean, when we're talking about access to capital, we're also talking about issues like um, uh, larger corporations purchasing from smaller SMEs and, um, you know, having terms like net 90, You know, I've seen 120. Yeah,
0: I mean, I was on 120, and I thought it was it was. I I was like, seriously, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, like, (laughs) yeah.
2: uh, And larger corporations just they have the leverage to to hold that over their smaller um, suppliers, but small suppliers can't live on on those types of terms. So it's uh, it's a real problem.
0: So basically, what you're telling us is even with Canada being a champion of diversity of inclusion of equality, and one of I find as a business owner and as a you know a citizen of you know that has traveled a lot, even with being so favorable, we still require aggressive advocacy and you know organization like yours to go to to policymakers and and show them what the reality on the ground
2: is Absolutely I think uh, we're very lucky in Canada that we have <clears throat> we have the ability and um, the encouragement let's say from government to have these conversations they're they're interested in the issue in um, examining it which is Mm -hmm. great Um, but equality uh, on paper um, legislation does not equal uh, day-to-day reality and so advocacy is necessary to one um, keep people accountable for the policies and the legislation that they've uh, put in place and two to, um, to make sure that those policies and, and programs are, um, are delivered and administered um, appropriately in a way that will actually um, benefit and impact the folks who, who need it the most, right? I see a lot of government programs and investment trickle down T- and get kind of stuck in the middle of of these mainstream groups uh, or or folks that that need it, but that money would mean so much more if it could actually make it down to to groups and individuals um, a little further down the road, right? And so we need to make sure that the design of programs and the administration of programs um, are really um, looked at and examined very carefully.
1: Yeah, I think that is, a, is something that at every level of government needs to be addressed, right? Like how effective are policies, right? Like I'm, yep. I'm trying to do X and I implement a policy, trying to do X is this actually a chief X or not? (laughs) Because in lots of cases, right, in in every single across the the world, right, like every single policy or whatever uh, could have the effect that you intend or may not or be halfway there or perhaps okay. it's counterproductive or, you know, and needs to be evaluated and get that. And And I think it's very important for for having, like, independent assessment of policies, yes. right? Not necessarily the government saying, like, hey, we, we, we are great, right? Like, we are doing mm-hmm. everything fantastic. It's important for independent organizations like nonprofits or other kind of academic organizations yes. as well and everything to try to assess to say, okay, actually this policy is doing what it's supposed to do or not, <laughs>
0: Yeah, Absolutely. but that's, um, and Nancy, you can, I think we can chat on that for a long time, but that's a balance between politics and and policy and when Uh you know politics will do things uh, and promise and and definitely go you know try but then you also have what you said the day-to-day and what is it possible to actually do i think one of the things in canada and you are invited anytime you want we can chat about this anytime you want but i think we need to have uh, data is going to be what you know informs all of those policies and all those programs, and this is also why I'm super excited to have you part of you know B2B seriously because with that you have the data. Who are those women uh, business owners? What are they doing? Who are they connecting with? And all these kind of things. So on, in that, I actually would like to you know to to ask you how can we help you? Because this is a podcast for and by, you know, the members and the partners. So how can we help you achieve some of your objective this year? What do you need um, from, what do you need the members and the audience who is listening to know um, if
2: anybody wants to join a uh, BCC as well? So we, we've made some changes this year to our membership structure that has opened up membership to anyone who is uh, who? Anyone who supports our mission and values and mandate, we wanted to make sure that we are collecting information and perspectives from the whole community. Um, so anyone can join what we call the CanWCC community for free. And so, really, what we're looking for is ultimately more members right what we there's so much power in numbers when Mm -hmm. we speak to government they're saying okay okay great so how many members do you have right and so we need to be able to say we have x number of members so any anyone who supports the idea of, uh, gender equity, economic equity, all of these, um, principles should come to our website and, uh, become part of the community at least, uh, which is, which is free so that we can include them in our membership and, uh, um, and have that extra boost when we, um, when we go to government and even to private sector, right? So that we can, we can't, um, we have no leverage necessarily over private sector um, uh, unless we can say we are representing the voice of X number of potential consumers, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's the power of partnerships and collaboration, mm-hmm. which you and I, we so align on all the time. And I'm so excited about this because I I thought it was great. Like when I met you, it was like how is it that not, you know, we I didn't even know about this when I started mm-hmm. as a business owner, right? And this is this was great. So yeah. um so tell us how to so your website that you mentioned. Yes. Um is there any way people should um maybe contact you and uh, reach you if they want to know more?
2: Yes, so um so folks can um can certainly send an email to, um, it's hello at canwcc.ca, or they can go to the website, which is canwcc.ca, and um, and join um, very easily the CanWCC community. And, um, you know, even if you're just uh, if you are a women identified or non binary um, business owner and you want to check us out, you're not sure if you want to become a paid member, uh, we have paid memberships for uh, women identified business owners who are looking to grow their business. Um, you know, become a part of the community. Uh, you can come out to some of our, our events. We have regular networking events as well as an advocacy event. Um, sort of E-Town Hall event that happens every month um, and check us out and join us. You know, it's a, it, it's, we welcome everybody. We are very focused on, um, you know, helping our members and representing our members. Ultimately, we are a member-based organization. We don't exist unless our members join us. So we are really here to serve you. Absolutely, and as I
0: always say, be part of
2: the solution.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how about you join an organization that is like yours? That is fantastic to work. Yeah, and with. get your
1: voice heard. Right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Nancy, it was wonderful to have you with us today, and uh, to hear all the great things that uh, CanWCC is doing. The stories around how you're helping uh, entrepreneurs. And I can't wait to hear more about your progress uh, in the next year.
1: So thank you very much, uh, Nancy, for being with us.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much for, uh, for inviting me. I had a great time. It was great discussion.